It is the second Sunday after Christmas. And a lot of people pay attention to that. I'm one. Um, it is also the first Sunday of the new calendar year. The church year started back in November, actually, the end of November. But here we are, first Sunday in 2021. Do you wonder what the new year is going to bring? Have you thought about it? Uh, I'm sure, to some degree or another. Many are hoping and praying that 21 will be a whole lot better than 20. Is there a way that we can know? Is there a way that we can make it so? Are there any signs that indicate that it might be a better year? Well, we'll see, but I might be able to help with that this morning. I'd almost write you out a guarantee and put my name at the bottom on this one. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for your word to us. We thank you for Jesus, the word. We pray that you would help us to receive the person of Christ, the word of God, and live in it all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text for today is uh, found in the Gospel of Matthew, starting uh, at the 16th chapter in verse 1. This is not the technical gospel lesson for this Sunday. If you follow the pericope, I'm not there, but I went to the signs and wonders. Are there any signs for a better year? I've found some. Here's the text. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is, the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Now, generally speaking, Pharisees and Sadducees didn't get along with each other. They didn't get along with almost anybody outside of their group. So for Pharisees and Sadducees to come together, and we read about that happening every once in a while in the New Testament, but it, it seems like it's always in a context of going after Jesus. They didn't agree on theology or how to live your life. They didn't believe on, even in, even in the Messiah, they had particular views one way or the other. They didn't agree. I suppose they got along, I'm going to say this, and I apologize, kind of like Republicans and Democrats. They got along only when absolutely necessary. 
There was no trust between these two groups. But when their focus came to Jesus, they got together and cooperated and they put together a series of questions, little tests along the way. They pop up every once in a while in the New Testament, don't they? They're recorded by the gospel writers. Well, here we are. They get together and uh, they have this little test that they want to uh, give to Jesus. It seems like they felt that too many people are following this rabbi from Galilee, this really to them a country bumpkin. What could he possibly know about the things of God? He's a usurper of our authority and of our place in this country. He's so popular. He is wildly successful as a teacher and preacher and they hated him for it. They wanted him out of the way, so they joined forces. They compared notes and they came up with these questions, back him into a corner, make him say things that would prove that he's not the Messiah and he wouldn't be able to escape from whatever he said. They would show him to be a fraud, not the Messiah at all, as some were saying. So one day they came to him and presented him this little test that we found in Matthew. This version says test. Others say attempted him with their request. Uh, Jesus, show us a sign from heaven. They wanted him to prove himself. They wanted him to show that he was the one that everyone was waiting for, to rescue Israel, to restore the kingdom of David and bring glory back to the nation. And Israel could come back to its rightful place as a superpower. And Jesus, we'd be happy to believe in you. We'd be happy to accept your place as a prophet if you would just show us a little sign from heaven. Do that and we'll even believe that you really are the Messiah. It'd be pretty tempting, wouldn't it? Pretty tempting to have these guys on your side, both of those sides on your side, in that country at that time to have the support of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If he could win them over, that would be politically and religiously powerful. So many problems would go away and so many doors would get opened up. So much funding, so much support, free to travel about, free to preach openly anywhere at any time. And he wouldn't get in trouble for it. This could be really good. I wonder if his closest followers were listening in. Those fishermen disciples, those tax collectors and all those folks. Would they have overheard this conversation? And maybe they were hoping that he would show them a sign from heaven. You know, like when Joshua made the sun and the moon stand still. Or when Elijah prayed fire to fall from heaven. 
Or when Moses held up his staff at the Red Sea and the waters parted and they walked across on dry land? Yeah, you know, just a little sign like that. Do something like that. Some of us still do this today. My favorite, and I like all of those stories. They're wonderful and they're powerful. But that thing with Elijah, that's awesome. Well, the thing, I better move on. We still do it today, don't we? You may have a friend or a relative or somebody, yeah, I'll believe it if he proves it to me. I don't see him. How about a sign from heaven? Just prove it. I'll believe if you'll just show me something special right now. I'll follow you forever if you'll reveal yourself. Give me a sign, Jesus. Give me a sign. I'll never doubt again if you'll just do this little miracle thing for me today. Then I'll believe. If Jesus is the Messiah, then he's greater than all of the prophets and he'll be able to do far more than any of them, even more than Moses. Just do one outward sign and settle the debate for us. Well, the request for a sign does not come from a heart of faith, but from unbelief. The motivation behind all this is not grace or mercy. It's almost said with a little bit of a sneer. Well, Jesus, God, if you're there, show me. I'd be very careful with that prayer. Uh, Look at Elijah's picture. And that water thing isn't, that's pretty scary too. Be careful how you pray. Jesus' life was surrounded by all kinds of signs and wonders and his opponents ignored them. The signs of Jesus had everything to do with grace and mercy and delivery of faith and forgiveness and healing. And they weren't interested. They didn't care about all of that. They weren't really listening. They weren't watching. And why not? I I thought seeing was believing. If you see it, you'll believe it. Pharaoh was not affected by miraculous sign after miraculous sign when Moses stood before, he got mad, he got upset, and he finally let him go, and then he changed his mind after seeing all of those plagues and how Moses controlled them, God controlling them. He didn't believe at all. The Bible says God hardened his heart. Be careful about your resistance, about your unbelief. That's a very sad story, Pharaoh. Here's another, Voltaire. And I'll quote him, even if a miracle should be wrought in the open, in the open marketplace before a thousand sober witnesses, I would rather mistrust my senses than admit a miracle. And so goes 
unbelief. The Pharisees and Sadducees were not ready to accept the signs of Jesus. They were ready only to resist him. They wanted to regain control of their very selfish, self-centered kingdom. They wanted no rivals. Jesus' response, he wasn't tempted, he, he, or he wasn't even tested. Not in the least by this. Signs, you want signs? You guys evidently wouldn't know a sign if it came up alongside you and smacked you in the head. Can I, can I say that out loud like that? You're totally blind to this. If you don't see God at work all around you. Oh, you've got that red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky at morning, sailor's take warning thing down pretty good. How's that for a sign from heaven, really? You're pretty good with the weather. You have enough sense to take cover when bad weather is predicted, but you don't have enough sense to pay attention to the signs that are signaling something far more critical, far more important. The kingdom of God is at hand, which is the kingdom of God is here. And you don't have a clue? You are not ready for that kingdom, Jesus tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus teaches them what they need to know. You want a sign from the skies? I've been giving you signs from the heavens of God the Father Almighty. All kinds of signs and wonders, and they're not just limited to miracles. These days were marked by the ministry and the message of John the Baptist and all of those prophets that went on before him. Their own scriptures. They didn't see it. The prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus of Nazareth are wonderful in their accuracy and their number. The miracles themselves should have been proof enough. Add to that his teaching, his example. What's not to believe? All the signs of Jesus were like the red sunset. They promised good and wonderful things, salvation, life, grace, hope, healing, forgiveness, and the freedom that that brings, and the peace that comes with God through him, which is our greatest need. Well, Jesus was also very clear about unbelief. If you ignore the truth of his coming, the power of his presence, and you turn from God, there is a warning side of the story. Storms will come, overwhelming storms. Judgment is at hand. No peace to be found there. The only sign that will be given to these unbelievers, according to Jesus, in, uh, to these uh, unbelievers sitting in front of him that day, is the sign of Jonah. Jonah. Yes, three days in the depth 
of death. And then rescue, and then life. Be watching, for this Messiah will die, and on the third day be raised to life, and that is the greatest sign of all. And what will you do with it? For those who believe, the sign of Jonah is a powerful word of hope. For those who do not believe, the sign is one of coming judgment. For the Son of God is triumphant, the only one worthy to judge the hearts of men. And he has all the power and authority necessary to do just that. And he will do just that. He has made it a promise. Well, after this brief discussion uh, with these religious leaders, our text says, and I think this is devastating, Jesus then left them and went away. Jesus left them and went away. Let us be found believing and receiving the the promising sign of Jesus, the promise of his presence, receive the power of his kingdom and the grace that flows from the throne of God. Let's be there on that side of the warnings. Well, I mentioned early on that maybe I could give you a little help with 2021. I'd almost back it up with a guarantee. I really would. So if you want to write it down somewhere, the Pastor Bruce said this on January 3rd, and you come to December 31st, and you want to come back and get your money back, all right, let me know. I want you to bear with me, though, as we take a look at three of the most, some of the most common signs that we have in our day, and I'm going to use a traffic light to illustrate it. We're going to start with the yellow light at an intersection. It might be the first light you see as you drive up. Not always. But if you do see it, what are you supposed to do? Slow down. Take a good look. Be careful. Be cautious. The yellow light, and I want you to listen carefully, because a lot of people in the Fargo-Moorhead area do not know this. The yellow light means slow down, not speed up. Yeah? Been there? I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. I'm preaching to me. I get it. It's so easy to speed up. But for our purposes here, slow down a little. Be a little more cautious. Be aware of your surroundings and get ready. Get ready to stop. It's important to be careful out there. Be watchful, guard your hearts. Watch over your hearts and your lives. Watch over the lives of your children. Pay special attention to them. I know you do. If you slow down a bit, you might see some needs that you'd otherwise miss. Things that you can help with. Take time in God's word. Handle it carefully, even with caution as you read it. Teach it clearly. 
which is one of our goals here. And that obey it, yes, most certainly to obey it. Be careful. Let us all be careful to obey the word of God. Well, then we go from yellow because we've slowed down now. We do hit a red light once in a while, don't we? And instead of looking at, oh, I hope I make it through, we've, we've slowed down, now we stop. That's what red lights do. Stop signs, red lights. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> I'm amazed at the people that, oh, just because it's a right turn lane, I don't have to stop at a red light. Whew. All the time. Oh, not me. I hope not you either. But it does mean stop, and it means to wait until the light changes and take a good look around. Listen, there's more caution at, at work here. Stopping once in a while is a very good thing. Stop to pray. Now, come on, this is the stuff that's going to help make 21 better than 20. Stop to pray, stop to worship. Not just Sundays, but every day. Stop to consider your life and where you are in God's hands and in his plans for you and your community and our world. Where are you at with that? Even Jesus stopped for prayer and for communion with his Father. And we should never neglect that stop sign it's very important. We should be careful to stop every day to visit with our Father in heaven about anything, about everything. And then the red light turns to green. We all know what green means. It means go. God never asks us to stop and stay stopped. That actually would be dangerous too, wouldn't it? pull up to a red light, stop, and then never go again. Eh. And you would be at fault for the accident that got involved. Pretty dangerous. But we are to move on. It's, it's dangerous for our world if we stop and don't go. We are to move on to go and be about what God has for us to do. If you go into his word and move through it thoughtfully and prayerfully, the going will be good. And it'll be a better 2021. So a few signs for our times. Red light, green light with a little yellow light in between. Do your own study of how they work in your life. Could be signs for a better year ahead. I hope it doesn't seem silly or too simple. But work with them a bit and then get back to me at the end of the year. Yeah, try to find me. At the end of the year and... Let me know how that went for you, okay? Well, I'm sensing a red light, so I better stop. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for Jesus, the powerful one, the savior of our lives. Help us to listen carefully to him. And to look at our world around us and see the need that we all have for him, for the promise of his life and grace and forgiveness. Spirit of God, wash over us in this new year. 
Turn our hearts toward you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.